When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the latest episode of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports Podcast, the podcast where, yeah, we talk about Ohio State athletics, but more often than not, we stick to the things around the periphery of the Buckeyes and the sporting world at large, as well as the stuff that keeps us occupied and entertained in between. My name is Matt Tamanini, and as always, I am joined by LGHL columnist, Los Angeles Bureau Chief, and former editor-in-chief of The Lantern, Jamie Urich. Jamie, happy Winter Olympics time. Thank you so much, Matt. It is my favorite time of, well, I guess not the year doesn't happen every year, but it is my favorite time. That is great because I am currently in New York City where I just looked down at my watch and it says 30 degrees freezing rain. So that feels like the time where I need to be embracing the Winter Olympics. Um, I have to admit, they kind of snuck up on me a little bit, Jamie. Like, not only just because, one, I'm traveling right now, but there's a lot of crazy things going on. And then, you know, we had the Summer Olympics last year, like less than, you know, what, seven, eight months ago. Um, So they did kind of sneak up on me. And I have to admit that I am not incredibly prepared, either as a Buckeye fan or a sports fan in general, for this Olympiad, but it sounds like you are the perfect person to get me caught up in both areas. Yeah. So they actually did sneak up on, I think everybody, and it's kind of strange. It was a little whiplashy to go from being very into the summer Olympics, which I am always into, and then changing pace this quickly to jump right into the winter Olympics a few months later because of um, COVID delays. Uh, But I am... So happy to be here. And the Buckeyes are pretty well represented this year, which is amazing. Um, Particularly the women's ice hockey team. So we have uh, six of the women's ice hockey, either current or former team members representing uh, various teams throughout the Olympics. And uh, two of them have already played in their games. Um, I'll kind of give a rundown of of who's doing what. And then um, we also have men's ice hockey alum, Matt Tompkins on, he was a former goalie for the Buckeyes. Uh, he's on team Canada, but the women's ice hockey team is, is really just killing it. Um, so we have three former Buckeyes making their Olympic debuts. That's Emma Maltese on Canada, Jincy Dunn on team USA, and then incoming freshman Sophie London, uh, representing team Sweden. Um, 
current Buckeye, Andrea Branley, is on Team Switzerland. And then Natalie Spooner, uh, who won a gold in 2014 and a silver in 2018, is back for her third Olympics for Team Canada. And Mintu Tuominen is back for her fourth Olympics for Team Finland. She has two bronzes previously. Um, and we've already seen Jinsey Dunn and Natalie Spooner take the ice and sort of kind of crush it. So Jinsey Dunn, her journey to Team USA has been kind of a really long one. She, before she even got to Ohio State, made the final cut for the team um, and was like one of the youngest athletes to do so. So she, that really like upped her recruiting. And it was kind of a surprise to people that she chose Ohio State because the team was kind of had a losing average at the, not kind of, they had a losing average at the time. And um, she chose the program over some kind of maybe more competitive programs at the time and helped to really turn some things around. Um, but she had an assist in her first Olympic game, which was a win USA won uh, five to two. And then Natalie Spooner came out for Canada and just like blew everyone out of the water. So that was a 12-1 win against Switzerland. But Natalie Spooner alone had two goals and three assists in Canada's first game, which is like for people who follow hockey, she tallied five hockey points, which is just like crazy to do in your in an Olympic game, like and, at that level I, of play. And I, I mean, like you see, especially in winter sports, a lot of like blowouts with like facing teams from countries that don't have a, a deep history of, of winter sports. But like, I would think Switzerland would have some sort of hockey background not to get beat 12-1. I mean, I know Canada is the, the best hockey nation in the world, um, but Switzerland getting beat 12-1 to seems a little shocking to me. I would think the, the Norwegians are north enough to, uh, to care about hockey. Yeah, so like... It, I, I don't know a whole lot about Switzerland's um, hockey, like what kind of what the projected situation is for them. But but I would make the same assumption. Like I would think that Switzerland, you know, like people go participate in like winter sports in Switzerland and especially with the Alps. I know skiing is obviously like skiing and snowboarding right. are very big there. But I would assume that, it, you know, it's cold enough that if that they probably have like pretty strong uh hockey opportunities as well so yes obviously Canada kind of is always the team it's like Canada and yeah. Russia which is currently the Russian Olympic Committee are kind of the two programs to watch um in most years just a kind of that's a, a very generalized statement because obviously it can change from year to year but those would kind of be historically the strongest programs but like I would assume Switzerland is not a team that generally gets blown out in winter sports yeah listeners if we are totally off base drop that in the comments and yeah. let us know because we clearly don't we are not international women's hockey aficionados and in fact i said norwegians i meant scandinavians i was going trying to talk about all of the scandinavian countries although is switzerland scandinavian i don't know anything i'm an absolute moron i don't think switzerland is i don't either i'm getting it confused with sweden i sweden see, here's and the thing norway and i believe like yeah i've been traveling i haven't slept much i am an idiot all of this is uh commentary on the american education system yeah and considering considering i think we we've both formerly been high school teachers so that's not doing very well for the education system on either side no 
I think Scandinavia is technically just Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. But then there's like the Nordic countries as well, which might mm-hmm. include um, like Finland and Iceland. I might be okay. making that, but that okay. it sounds right to me. Yeah, Scandinavian right. is like a smaller population of the Nordic. But also, I understand where the confusion with Switzerland would come in. Um, that's very kind of, of you. It's a lot of S names to be it's running on. Yeah, Sweden, okay. Switzerland. Anyway, um, so there's a bunch of Buckeyes, especially on the women's ice hockey side. Is, are there any other Buckeyes that we should pay attention to in any other sports that you know of? No, it's just hockey. Is it really? That's it. And yeah. there's the one, the one uh, alumni for the on the men's side, but the rest is just women's hockey. Just women's hockey, absolutely wow. rushing it, um, which is awesome. And I'm excited to see Sophie London play for Sweden because I think it'll be. She's an incoming freshman, so I think it'll be fun to kind of get a preview of what's to come. And, um, and Sweden is in Scandinavia. Correct. That is definitely a Scandinavian country. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the women's ice hockey program is just crushing it. We love to see that. Absolutely. So speaking of things that we love to see, obviously going to have to check out a lot of women's hockey to follow all of the Buckeyes. But what else do we need to be watching? I was in bed in my hotel room last night and literally how I knew that the Olympics had started was I was flipping through the channels and I saw Mike Tirico on TV from China uh, pit or throwing it back to some ice dancing. I had completely forgotten that it was starting this soon. Um, so I have no plan in terms of what I'm going to watch. So, Jamie, as the Winter Olympics guru for LGHL, you need to tell me what I should be watching. Okay, so obviously the big kind of people's big go-tos tend to be like the skiing, snowboarding, and figure skating. Um, I always think that speed skating is really fun to watch. Uh, But the most important sport... Of the Winter Olympics. I know what's coming. And I will not take... Like, you can have another opinion, but you are wrong if you think that any other sport is the most important. It's curling. And for once in our lives, Matt, because of the time difference between the United States and Beijing, curling is generally on at, like, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, it is not a sport that airs in prime time because apparently people in the United States don't have any taste. Care. Uh, it is on at normal times. You can watch it live at like a cool 6 or 7 p.m. This Olympics. Um, it is the best sport. Everyone wears fun pants. That's, first of all, number one, the rest of you, all of you other athletes need to step up your your uniform game because the curlers have it figured out and everyone else is looking really boring comparatively. That's number one. Number two, it is hold, on, hold on, before we get to number two, what makes a good curling pant in your opinion? Like the crazier, the better. And when I say they're crazy, um, they're like checkerboard, patterned pants like the Norwegians at one point had these crazy red, white, and blue zigzag pattern suits. Uh, There was like another 
the Norway team, um, I think in 2018 on Valentine's day, they wore like heart themed pants that were in Norwegian colors. Like just, they go all out with the pants and they generally are like the colors of their countries, but in these ridiculous kind of, they almost look like modern art paintings that have been turned into outrageous pant patterns. <laughs> um, and the Norwegian team is particularly known for stepping up their game. Like if there were a gold medal for uniforms, they would win. <laughs> uh, um, are you are you familiar <laughs> with professional golfer John Daly? I am, yes. He is known for his outrageous, uh, I guess it's not uniforms when in golf, but he is known, I think he might have even started a clothing line for his outrageous golf attire. So if you're not following John Daly's career, which I don't know that he has much of a career right now, um, that's at least something that could get you on the rooting interest. Although he did play in a father-son tournament with Tiger Woods and his son as well recently. So that was fun. And so John Daly's pants are kind of a good frame of reference of what the curling pants kind of tend to look like. Just really like very loud, very bright patterns and colors and kind of abstract shapes. So that's number one. Number two, curling is something that you, like I feel strongly, there's a lot of skill and a lot of strategy. I, by no means do I think that I could be an Olympic curler. And yet if I were going to excel in any winter Olympic sport, it would be curling. Yes, that's totally fair. The only way to explain it in like layman's terms is it's like shuffleboard on ice, basically. So you like the curlers kind of throw these giant or they don't throw them. They like slide them across the ice, but slide these giant stones and then their teammates sweep um, the ice to kind of control the speed at which the stone moves. So if you want it to go faster to hit the target, you would sweep to melt the ice a little more so that it would slide. Then you can slow it down by sweeping less and letting the friction kind of do its thing. Um, So there's a lot of strategy about where you want to place the stones and those sorts of things. But it is something that I know like Canadian PE classes, I don't know if they call it PE in Canada, but their equivalent of PE teaches curling. Um, And we, at the beginning of the pandemic, my roommate and I were like curling in our apartment with just like Swiffers and what were you using as the stone plates? Good, good. That seems like a perfectly logical thing to do. Very like 1990s thing, but like McDonald's had these Hercules plates as happy meals for a while. And I feel like people will probably know what I'm talking about, but they're plastic. You still have them. And I still have them. They are collector's items. And so we were using the like plastic Hercules plates and sliding them across our wooden floor. And then we would like sweep with Swiffers. And that was how we entertained ourselves during lockdown. That is fascinating. And I cannot tell you how much that explains about you as a human being, Jamie. Truly. So curling is a big one. Um, I'm also a big fan of ice luge. Okay, so so can, are you able to tell me the difference between like luge, bobsledding, skeleton, all of those things? Because I don't. I mean, I I know skeleton is like basically your 
you have no protection. But like, what's the difference between like luge and bobsledding? I have absolutely no idea. Good. Good, good, good. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the difference is. They're both cool as hell. I mean, and I, I loved cool runnings back in the day. So I just, I don't know what the difference is. I don't know what makes one more difficult than the other or less difficult or different or what the, the, the requirements or the technique are. But that scares the hell out of me. Like, I'm not normally somebody who's scared by fast things. But seeing, like, when they have the camera on the sled itself... And going down and taking those turns and going up on the side, you know, the walls of the, I don't know, pike, whatever it is, uh, is absolutely terrifying to me. And then to see the occasional accidents, uh, I guess that's why I'm not an Olympic loser. So, Matt, I, uh, I did find an article that can answer your question. And they all are those ice-covered courses that you kind of navigate a sled, but the type of sled is different for each one. And in luge, you're on your back on a flat sled and you go feet first. Um, in skeleton, you lie face down and you go head first. And you don't begin in the sled. You kind of run for like 40 meters and then you jump face first onto the sled. Perfectly uh, normal. Behavior. And then bobsled is like a two-man or a four-man sled that is pushed up to 50 meters, and then you jump in for the rest of the ride. So it's like you have seats almost like a tiny little car. Yeah, feel and then the runners rhythm, the feel the rhyme. Ride. Come on, boys. It's right, like if you've seen Cool Runnings, you know what bobsled is. If you haven't seen Cool Runnings, you should. It's yeah. kind of how I feel about that. But yeah, so luge is you start on the sled, and you're on your back feet first. Skeleton is you run to the sled, and take a diving start, and then you go face first on your stomach. Okay, good. All right, I'm never doing any of those things. Uh, all right, so any, any... I would do all of them. Not like that. Like, I would try it. Like, I used to go sledding back when I was a kid in Ohio, but, like, um, not on, like, an Olympic course like that. I mean, also, I'm old, so, like, I'm, I don't know that my body could do those things anymore, but... Whatever. All right. Any other sports that we need to be checking out uh, over the next, I don't know, two, three weeks? Um, I mean, the skiing and the snowboarding is great. Figure skating for sure. Like, listen, there was some figure skating going on last night. Nathan Chen, you are a tremendous athlete. You're not listening to this. But if you, you were, know. I would want you to know that you're a tremendous athlete. Uh, are Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir still doing commentating? Do we know? You know what? I didn't wasn't listening with commentary, so I don't know. See, I I I love those two. I think they're great. I also just recently watched the I think was it just two seasons? Um, two seasons of the uh, Wedding Cake Championship that they co-hosted together, um, and they were supposed to be a third season, but it, they weren't able to film it because it was supposed to film in like summer of twenty twenty. And then it hasn't come back, which makes me very sad because it was a show that gave me a lot of GBBO vibes. And I've had to pull back my GBBO watching for reasons that I'll announce uh, fairly soon. But um, but that game, oh, here's a here's a, an ambulance coming by my hotel room here in uh, New York. Yeah, that New York street noise. Gotta Thanks, love man. it. Um, but I liked it. I really enjoyed it. They were actually really fun and, and really punny together as hosts. So I, I would I would watch. I mean, I'd watch the figure skating and ice dancing or whatever anyway. But definitely even more so if they were still commentating and hosting. I would be surprised if they weren't. Um, 
Let's see. I wonder if I can do a quick fact check on that. Um, Always the editor. <sighs> Who are... Oh, yeah. It is still Johnny Ware and Terrell Pinsky. Good. Good, good. All and right. they're doing it remotely from Stamford, Connecticut. Ooh, interesting. According to WMTW ABC. All right. Channel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let us know what sports you were most excited to watch at the Winter Olympics by heading over to Twitter at LandGrant33 and uh, giving us your thoughts and give us a, giving us some recommendations if there are specific games or matches or events that you think we should need we need to be checking out let us know all right we will wrap up the show with our recommendations that should be very fun i'm looking forward to sharing mine but we will do that after one short break super pumped about my recommendation because I think it's something that a lot of people are going to love, um, but it's really been under the radar. So I'm going to save it though. I'm going to have, I'm, I'm going to go last this week if that's okay. Um, yeah. But so why don't you go ahead and start us off uh, with your recommendation? So obviously my first recommendation is curling just in, <laughs> as a general thing. Like yeah, not even just it. the Olympics, just like curling just like, all the time. Get start watching curling. Um, but my recommendation this week is a podcast. Um, and it is for our true crime slash history aficionados out there. It's called bad women Ripper retold and it is fascinating. So this is, um, a British historian takes a, does a really deep dive into Jack the Ripper and specifically into the victims of Jack the Ripper. So she's not really trying to figure out who Jack the Ripper is so much as trying to figure out like why the case was never solved. Is it even a solvable case? Um, what was the history that led to the case kind of playing out the way that it did? And then how did we get to a point where the guy, Jack the Ripper, had more like fame than and, like, we don't know. Most people don't know the names of his victims, but we know who Jack the Ripper is. So she kind of postures that it's impossible to solve. And none of the people who are supposedly um, kind of on the short list for people that could potentially be Jack the Ripper. She doesn't think any of them are actually like plausible suspects. Um, oh, and she doesn't think it's, a solvable case, but she goes through each of the victims and their story and tells us like the things that we know about the victims actually like tend to be pretty inaccurate. So many of them are married, many of them had children. Um, and they've kind of just been written off as like, well, Jack the Ripper like killed sex workers and not sort of the narrative. Um, and she does like this really interesting deep dive into, first of all, like why, why we would devalue victims thinking that they were sex workers and what that says about Victorian society and also society today, but then also how that actually, like those kind of stereotypes led to the case sort of being botched um, and now has reached a point where it probably will never be solved. So it's really fascinating. The episodes are short. They're like 30 to 40 minutes. So it's great for like a walk or a quick drive. 
Um, really big fan. If true crime or history are your thing, Bad Women, Ripper Retold, uh, you can listen on Apple Podcasts. I'm sure it's on Spotify if that's still a platform you're using. And I believe anywhere else that you would listen to podcasts or if you pay for a Pushkin subscription. Very cool. I am not normally a true crime person, even though I work in true crime. Um, but that one does sound fascinating and a different approach to the kind of stuff that we normally get. Now, the thing that I am going to recommend is, I mean, it's fictional, but it's its true crime uh, adjacent, I suppose. And it is a new show that premiered on Apple TV Plus uh, just over a week ago. And this is a show that was created by Christopher Miller. Um, if you are familiar with him, he is um, a part of the writing and directing team of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. You'll know them from um, Claudia with a Chance of Meatballs, the Lego movie, 21 and 22 Jump Street. Um, they also um, are behind the Oscar winning film um, Into the Spider-Verse. They also created uh, the show The Last Man on Earth, which is criminally underrated. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of their work. But this show is called The After Party. And it is... Have you heard of this one? I have like very briefly heard about it, but I don't really know anything. Oh my so God. It's, it's amazing. It's your turn to tell me everything that you know. Yeah. So it, what it is, is it takes place at and after a 15 year high school reunion in which all of, you know, the disparate folks come back to their high school um, and then they go to an after party at the home of one of their fellow graduates who has gone on to be a big time music and movie star. At the after party, this big time movie and music star who is played by Dave Franco, um, he is murdered. And the show is through flashbacks and all this other stuff is trying to figure out who actually murdered him. The cast is insane. The detective doing the investigation is played by Tiffany Haddish. You've also got Sam Richardson, who if you are either a Veep fan or Ted Lasso fan. You know who he is. He played the billionaire um, owner who was uh, buying an African football team in the second season of of Ted Lasso. He's one of the main characters as a Neek. Um, ben Schwartz is in it. Uh, Alana Glazer is in it. Zoe Chow is in it. Ike Barinholtz is in it. Um, and I said Dave Franco. It is absolutely hilarious it's kind of like if you took only murders in the building and threw it together and mashed it up with knives out um it's funny it's so goofy and weird and the third episode is one of the most brilliant and ridiculous episodes of television i've seen in a long long time um the episodes are you know short 35 40 ish minutes um, there's four episodes that are out now. I didn't get to watch the fourth one yet because it was on the day I was traveling to New York, but they come out on Thursdays. There's only going to be eight episodes. Um, but it's really, really good. It's a, it's a whodunit, but it's fun and it's ridiculous. It's a dark comedy. Highly, highly recommend the after party on Apple TV plus. That sounds amazing. Now I need to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm adding it to my TV time app right now. Very good. And I know you have Apple TV Plus because it's on the same network as Ted Lasso. So I sure do. All 
All right, everybody, let us know if you have listened to Bad Women, The Ripper Retold, or watched The After Party on Apple, Apple TV+. Plus, We would love to hear your thoughts. All right, everybody, that's all we have for Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you are finding the episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can follow the website on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at Matt. Jamie, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Jamie Urich. All right, everybody, have a wonderful weekend. Go watch some, I was going to say Olympics, but they need to specifically watch curling, right? Yeah, watch curling. All but curling, all, all the time. Yes, you absolutely. Know, watch um, some ski jumping if that's your thing. Like, yeah. you, you. Eddie, Eddie the Eagle, baby. All right, have a wonderful weekend. And women's weekend. ice hockey. Go Bucks. Yes, go Bucks. All right, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>